So, hey, Rob. Hey. Do you remember seeing a couple of years ago this movie called Krampus? Yeah, it's one of the best holiday horrors out there. Yeah, there's a huge subgenre of Christmas horror movies, but this is probably the biggest one for the last couple of years. Yeah. It is getting a fancy new director's cut. I saw that. Shout Factory's putting it out. Yeah, they make really good stuff. They They're do. like on par with Vinegar Syndrome. Mm-hmm. They do really they, good transfers, too. Absolutely. So this is getting a uh, 4K, the naughty cut. Mm-hmm. With all the stuff they had to remove to give it a uh, PG-13 rating. Yep. I wonder how much is going to be different because the cut is only, I believe, six minutes longer. It's probably just like some gore effects and some yeah. swearing. Like I'm ready imagine. to see it. I'm thinking about pre-ordering it just because I really like that movie. I try to watch it every Christmas, but some years I forget. Alternate ending, deleted scenes, uh, Krampus Comes Alive, a, a whole making of, mm-hmm. uh, interview with the, the guy under the suit, and I appreciate the fact that it was a guy under a suit. Yeah, the cool thing about Krampus, which actually made me want to go see it, is it's 90% practical effects. I think there's only CGI for one scene. Yeah, but CGI basically for augmentation, for yeah. things that you just can't do practically in any sort of safe way. Yes. And I think that's um, one of the reasons why it's so good. Uh, Weta, who uh, is, I don't know if he still owns them, but Peter Jackson started that effects company. Oh, cool. And they mostly do practical effects and mm-hmm. some digital augmentation. So they're they're really good. They did all the stuff for Lord of the Rings, for example. Yeah, and that's so, why Lord of the Rings still looks great today. Yeah. They only use CG for things that they could not do practically. Yeah. And I think that's the way to, really the way to handle it. Yeah, because if you compare the original Lord of the Rings to The Hobbits, which came out 10 years later, Hobbit looks like garbage. Yeah, Hobbit is mostly CG. Yep. But, I mean, the the problems with the Hobbit movies, I mean, you could make a full 10-part documentary about how much that sucked to work on. Like taking a 300-page book and spreading it out across three three three-hour movies. And the studio demanded more because they Mm -hmm. knew it was going to be a hit. Yep. The only reason why Peter Jackson signed up was to keep production in New Zealand, to give money to his home country, mm-hmm. and it was a disaster. It's a fascinating disaster, but it's yeah. a disaster. We could spend a whole episode talking about that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, I'm, yeah, The so Krampus is a movie that I really try to like. Mm-hmm. It, it has that thing where because it can't be gory, it has to be really creative. Yes. And some of that really gets under my skin because what you don't see can be more effective than what you do. Yeah. The problem is, is it's ultimately a studio film and studio films, especially studio horror films, need that PG-13 rating because they want as many people in the theater as possible. And that genre, horror as a genre, is very popular amongst high schoolers. Yes. And this was right before It came out, which Mm -hmm. told studios that you know, unbridled rated R horror movies can make money if they're yeah. good. It is, I believe it still is the highest grossing horror movie of all time. That would or not maybe surprise me. Part two dethroned it, but yeah. I know when the part one came out it broke a ton of records. Yes. I mean, there's been prestige horror movies all throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Exorcist comes to mind, but that's yep. certainly not the only one. Uh but, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. But uh I think the fact that movie tickets are so much more expensive also leads to that sort of a yeah. change. I think if you don't account for inflation, I think Rosemary or I think The Exorcist is still number one. Yeah, it, and it's a really, really good movie. Yes, 
Also, oh, that, no. new movie news. Uh, <laughs> David Gordon Green just got signed to do a new Exorcist trilogy, which I'm not too happy about because I don't like his new Halloween movies. Yeah, he he is an indie comedy director that happened to fall backwards into making the, the Halloween 2018, which is... I think one of the better Halloween movies, but that's not saying a ton. I disagree. Uh, I'd say it's better than four, five, six, seven, eight. It's definitely better made, but I yes. would much rather watch four, five, six, H2O, yeah. Resurrection. I feel like they're more fun where Halloween 2018, there's so many good ideas in it that they just don't focus on. And then it just becomes a shoot fest. Yes. And having him and... Uh, What's that guy's name? Um, Danny McBride. Danny McBride is one of the writers. I think led to too much comedy. Yeah, it feels like a straight... It feels like super bad. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a scene that I love. The two cops just kind of goofing around in the car. I think that's one of the funniest scenes of that year in comedy. But it's it's not a comedy movie. It's a horror movie. Yeah. Like, comedy's welcome, but the whole yeah. script shouldn't revolve around the jokes. And the biggest issue for me... Sorry, I'm going on a That's tangent. Right. But the biggest issue with those movies for me is every line of dialogue feels like Danny McBride wrote it. Yeah, a lot of that does feel really written. Yes. And that's kind of a problem. The The new one's not really any better. Um, the new one has better kills for sure, but the script yeah. is way worse. Like, who could have thought that this guy who looks like uh, Danny DeVito could be easily mistaken with Michael Myers? There's, like, good stuff in there. Like, if they dove more into the sense of mob mentality, which is clearly what they wanted to do, but they don't. They barely scratch the surface of all these issues they want to talk about, and it ultimately feels like an unfulfilling film. Yes, and the fact that they greenlit two films in a row just kind of led to this movie ending, Mm -hmm. just sort of stopping as opposed to actually having anything resembling an ending. And another issue with that is part three. All three of these are supposed to take place on the same night, but they're pushing part three to take place four years later in 2022, and they're going to tie it into the COVID pandemic and how people don't want to go trick-or-treating anymore. It's going to be dumb as hell. Yeah, so clearly what you want to do is get that guy who doesn't understand subtlety into one of the most subtle horror movies ever made. Exactly. But the cast is seems promising. Who's in the cast? Uh, the new trilogy stars Leslie Odom Jr. Ooh. And cool. Ellen Bernstein. Awesome, from the original? Yes, she's reprising her role. That's fantastic. So it seems like a sequel. Yes, and I guess it's already shot. I guess they shot it back-to-back with Halloween Kills. Well, I mean, it has a release date in uh, 2023, so it's... Okay, so they're probably filming it now. But then again, it has a, a runtime acknowledged now. Hmm. And runtimes can be put into contracts, so that that's kind of inside baseball. Yes. But... but anyways, we should yeah, start gonna, our uh, actual show. Yes. <laughs> So hold on for a moment and we will uh, we'll be back with our uh, our actual show for this week. We just wanted to, you know, kind of lean into some of the, yeah. the business side that of stuff. Which we like to get unexpected tangent from both of us. <laughs> yes.
This week we'll be taking a look at the world of safe cracking, jumping into gentlemen thieves and scoundrel thieves and double crosses and action and the old the old man who likes to kind of run this the show still from behind the scenes. We'll be taking a look at the 2001 release The Score and the 2021 release Army of Thieves. I'm Ryan, one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Rob. And Rob, do you want to take a look at The Score? Yeah. So, as Ryan said, The Score was released in 2001. It stars Robert De Niro, Edward Norton, and Marlon Brando. Written by Daniel E. Taylor, Karios Salem, and Lem Dobbs. And directed by Frank Oz. Frank Oz is kind of a weird pick for a movie like this. Yeah, I was looking through his filmography and it seems like he does a lot of puppeteer work. He was actually one of the original Muppets. Uh, he was the voice of Foggy, or Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy, Sam the Eagle. Okay. He directed uh, the great... Um, sorry, he directed the Muppets Take Manhattan. Yes, that's what I saw on his IMDb. And he yeah. also played or puppeteered Yoda. Yes. So yeah, odd choice for this film. And honestly, I think that kind of brings us down a little. Yes, I think the direction is one of the weaker parts of the film, mm-hmm. especially with three very intense actors in the main parts. Yeah, the directing is very subtle. There's not a whole lot of camera movements. It feels very yeah. static. And for a movie like this, it's very high stakes. And yes. you kind of need that that shaky cam to add to that atmosphere. Yes. You need that kind of uh, energy, especially in a heist movie where there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, a lot of high energy stuff. There's a lot of montage. There's a lot of, um, I mean, Edward Norton is essentially playing three different characters. Mm -hmm. Well, sort of one person pretending to be multiple different people, uh, which is one of his significant strengths. Yes. Uh, Edward Norton has always been one of my favorite actors, even as his personality has kind of taken some well-deserved hits in the last few years. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with his more recent stuff, but in high school, I loved American History X, and that kind of led me to some of his other movies. And he used to be a fantastic actor, but I don't know, whenever I see him in stuff now, I kind of just go, oh, Edward Norton. Yeah, from what I understand, he's kind of taken a backseat. He basically just does one or two films a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's more into investing now, okay. apparently. Like, I, he's married and has kids now, so it, I mean, it makes sense to kind of yeah. sit out and not go as intense. He was in that Hulk movie about, I want to <laughs> yeah. say, like 10 years ago now. And Over that, yeah. It's just like, it wasn't good. And ever since then, I was like, oh, Edward Norton kind of yeah, ruined the he, Hulk. He hasn't done an amazing film since then, I don't mm-hmm. think. Uh, except for I, his Wes Anderson stuff. But I mean, Oh, yeah. He's always yeah. fine in Wes Anderson stuff. Yeah. But for the most part, I just don't think that he's really trying anymore. And Robert De Niro, I mean, he, I think he put he's his effort in. Yeah. But even when he's phoning it in, he's still good. Yes. And seeing De Niro and Marlon Brando on screen together is awesome. It's unfortunate it wasn't in a better movie. Yes. Uh, This was, I believe, Marlon Brando's final film performance. Uh, Yes. He had retired after this and then passed away a couple years later. That's unfortunate. Uh, I wish he could have went out on top. Yeah. But, I mean, at some point you just kind of, you know, you know, when he was almost 80 at this point, Mm -hmm. he was, you know, I think he turned in some amazing performances. One of the 
best actors to ever work. Even They'll though, forever be known for The Godfather. Yeah. And for just being an eccentric weirdo. <laughs> but yes. uh, actually, Don Juan DeMarco may have been his last film. But okay. no, that was in the 90s. So yes. he, I mean, he made some incredible movies. The Godfather, for example. Mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now, he's in for six minutes, but you remember him yes. in that movie. Uh, Streetcar Named Desire, which was one of his first films. He's yes. really good in that. Uh, but what what's awesome, too, is just the chemistry between De Niro and Brando is phenomenal. Incredible. Even though the film doesn't really give him a ton to do, mm-hmm. and Brando's only in a handful of scenes. Brando's really there to just set up the stakes. Yeah, but you can tell that these two guys are old friends. Mm-hmm. You just feel that. Yes. And a lot of it has to do with just the improv and the the general kind of feel of the scenes they are in. Yeah. They look like For, they're having fun together, too. Absolutely. The The basic premise is Nick, played by De Niro, is this old, you know, gentleman thief who is an expert safecracker and, you know, just goes in and steals things. But he also really wants to go legit. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he co-owns a jazz club and he wants to buy it out completely and just run the, run the club as a legitimate businessman. So it's kind of a cliche story because that yeah. happens a lot. But it's a, he has one last job. He's offered, I think, a, the payout is like $6 million, which is enough to to run or to, to buy his uh, his club outright. But the big thing is it's in his home city of Montreal. And he yeah. has a rule, never do your own city. Yes. So that's why uh, Teller, I think, uh, is his name, played by Edward Norton. Jack Teller, who is the accomplice, who has managed to get into this building where they're going to be stealing this scepter. Uh, by yeah. just pretending to be this guy named Brian, who's a mentally disabled janitor, and it's just the uh, you know the the young guy versus the new guy, or the old guy versus the new guy, basically. Yeah, and De Niro wants to get out, and Norton wants to get in. So yeah, they each have their own goals, and as expected, they kind of clash yeah. throughout the film. Yeah, there's a lot to do. Like, there's a lot going on there, but this definitely feels like a movie whose reach exceeds its grasp. It feels more like a drama than a thriller. Yes. Like, the further it went on, the less interested I became. Yes. It, it definitely feels like a movie with an unconfident director in mm-hmm. the and with five or four writers. Mm-hmm. Five if you count Norton rewriting some of the scenes on production. Like yes. He has a tendency to he, do. I heard that's why uh, people don't like to work with him anymore. Yeah, so. is that he like takes over production because yes. he wants the movie to be the best way that it can be and yes. you know, someone needs to tell him hey, stop it. Yes. Um, I love Norton, but he definitely does that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it definitely feels like a movie that would probably would have been more fun possibly in air quotes to make than it is to watch. Yeah. Which is really a shame. Like, It all comes back to direction, because I feel like this could have been a really good, um, not Ridley Scott, who's his brother? Uh, Tony Scott. Tony Scott. Yeah, I feel like this would have been a great Tony Scott film. He's got that shaky cam, he knows how to make every scene intense, but Frank Oz, it was very static. Yes, Frank Oz is really good at comedy. He he knows how to tell the story in that way, Mm -hmm. but I think part of the problem is that, listen to the commentary, for example... His director's cut would have been the same movie, except have all the the jazz club scenes go longer. It's like, well, that's not that's the not movie great. you're trying to tell here. But uh, Frank Oz made What About Bob, which is a, an amazing comedy. Oh, What he About made, Bob's awesome. Yeah, he made Bowfinger, which is a great comedy. Mm-hmm. 
made Death at a Funeral, which is a great comedy. Uh, the British one, not the American one, which... Which isn't great. Yeah. That's another movie with a director who just didn't really know what he was mm-hmm. doing. Um, so Frank Oz is a great director of the right material. Yes. But... I feel like he wanted to branch out. He got this and... Maybe he didn't know how to direct the cast. Maybe he was trying I think something he was a, new. Like, I think it's probably hard to work with people like De Niro and Brando and mm-hmm. even Edward Norton who are They're, such intense actors that they mm-hmm. they not so much want direction, but they need it. Mm-hmm. And, and they're all yeah. seasoned. They all know what they're doing. They, yes. I feel like they think they can go in and wing it. And maybe Frank Oz didn't have the discipline to be like, no, this is what I want. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an interesting film. There's not a whole lot more to say about it. Yeah, um, I wish I liked it more because I've been wanting to see this for a long time, mainly yeah. because of Marlon Brando and De Niro in the same movie. Yeah, but I, after watching it, it did not hit my expectations. Yeah, we're not even talking about um, who? Who else is Angela Bassett? Yeah, Angela Bassett is. She's always is, great. Is wasted in this. She's in like two scenes mm-hmm. and. Is largely just sort of there to motivate De Niro's character. Yeah, she's the shame. love interest slash like girlfriend. Yeah, but cliche character. I feel like the script overall is very cliche. Yes, and changing that would have been better, and a different director would have been better. Yes, it's kind of a shame. I'd say give this one a pass unless you're, you know, a De Niro or Brando completist. Yeah, honestly, I watched this about a week ago, and I can't <laughs> tell you a single scene. It's not amazing, and I want it to be so much better than it. It was. also feels very two thousand one. Oh yeah, that era of filmmaking is super edgy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that like bleach bypass sort mm-hmm. of like, yeah, it, it it didn't age well. No, especially uh, Norton's character. Yeah, yeah, I I think he really hit his stride, and then just kind of overstayed his welcome because yes. he wouldn't calm the hell down and now he's moved on to other things and i can't really blame him yeah he's got all the money he needs yep and you know when you got wes anderson calling every couple years you do a wes anderson film and then you know go back to your other life exactly uh yeah so we're gonna uh, take a break here and come back with army of the dead or i'm sorry thieves Thieves. army of the dead is the uh, film this is a spinoff of yes and we'll be back in a moment Welcome back to the Crossroads Podcast. We are about to discuss Army of Thieves, a 2021 release on Netflix. It's a Netflix film that is also a spinoff of a Netflix film we covered earlier this year titled Army of the Dead. But this one is directed by Matthias Schweighofer. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. It also stars Matthias Schweighofer, Natalie Emmanuel, Ruby O'Fay. It's a pretty big cast in this. Uh, Stuart Martin, Gus Kahn, Jonathan Cohen, and a couple others who I do not recognize. And according to IMDb, Dan Bradford as the big tough guy, <laughs> which I just oh, yeah. have to get that in there. Uh, this is a spinoff of, it's a spinoff prequel to 
Army of the Dead, but it's a totally different movie. Yeah, it the only connection it has to Army of the of the Dead besides characters is a couple times they'll mention a zombie outbreak in Vegas. Yes, and uh, uh, Matthias's character Ludwig Dieter, who's going by different names throughout the movie, has nightmares about the zombies, and I think I would too. Yes, but those seem to be there largely just so they could put them in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, there's one I, quick conversation through some other characters about the zombies, and that's literally it. Mm-hmm. Um, as you see in the trailer or in the uh, opening credits to uh, Army of the Dead, the threat is actually largely contained pretty quickly. Yes, which is which is awesome. Like I think this movie would have benefited from having the zombie stuff cut completely until the very end, because it I just agree. kind of feels out of place. It does. I feel like it's only there to reinforce the connection, but we already know what the connection is. Yeah, you're not going to be watching Army of Thieves before Army of the Dead. No, almost certainly not. Uh, But other than that, I think the movie is actually a lot of fun. Yeah. It's it's an action heist movie with some romantic comedy elements. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matthias Schweighofer, which I did not know until I started doing research for this episode, is actually a huge star in Germany. He's um, a writer, director, producer. He's a really famous actor in in Germany, anyway. Yeah. Uh, he's only been in a handful of American productions up until this point, but that explains why this movie is yeah. so well shot. Yeah, this is his, I think, sixth directorial effort, and one of those was every episode of a TV show, like Mike Flanagan style. Oh, great! So, yeah, the guy is he's been putting in the effort, mm-hmm. and he's a I think he's a very talented guy. Yeah, I, after watching this, I might go back and watch his German stuff, because yeah. this movie is, honestly, it starts, it gripped me right from the beginning. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, It doesn't take itself too seriously, which I appreciate. Neither did Army of the Dead, so it's yeah. kind of in that same vein, and it has very similar um, visuals. Like, yes. they're shot similarly, but just different enough, like, it's not aping... Um, Zack Snyder's style. It's it's its own thing, yes, but the, trying to fit in that universe. The colors are a bit more realistic, and thankfully the uh, the depth of field is, is longer, so things are more in focus. Yes. I thought that really worked for Army of the Dead, because that took place largely in a desert, mm-hmm. but it would have made this movie insufferable. Yeah, because there's, there's a, a lot, lot of just, stuff yeah. in background and foreground in Army yeah. of Thieves. Yes, there's a lot of a lot of fun. It's a, it's a movie that's just kind of goofy a lot of the time, which I, I like really how appreciated. It's not very realistic, but it's also very grounded because these safes are so cool. Yes, and the way the way the story's told feels almost like it's they're doing their own epic, their own journey home. Yeah, there's this whole thing about this famous safe builder who named his four best safes after uh, classical music opuses. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of just building up to, uh, to Dieter cracking each one of them. And he's, he's this adorable little nerdy guy who is uh, just gets excited over everything. And that, that passion is kind of contagious, which I appreciate. And he was one of the best characters in Army of the Dead just because he was one of the few who wasn't just, you know, a variation on Big Tough Guy. Yeah, he he has depth to him, too. And this movie just further goes into his character. 
So I think if we go back and watch Army of the Dead, I'll like his character even more. Yeah, he was kind of the comic relief, which makes mm-hmm. sense. In Germany, he's kind of appears to, I haven't seen too much of his stuff. He seems yeah. to be very much like a comic actor, mm-hmm. but he's really just famous there, which is cool because I think he's very talented. So something that this movie does really well that I wish the score did was the the safe cracking scenes. They're so yes. intense and like the way it shows the inside of the safe while he's turning the dials, it's just a really fun way to like kind of rope you into the situation. Yes, it feels there's like stakes to this where yes. the score didn't feel like there were stakes. It's more of like a just a straight drama mm-hmm. and the, the best safe cracking scene in that movie, you don't even see any of the safe cracking. You just see yeah. a little uh, a little nonsense here and there and Robert De Niro's legs sticking out from behind a cat. It's, it's dumb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but in this, like, you're up close with, with Dieter and yeah. you're right up next to the safe with him. The camera gets really close and when he turns the lock, you see the, the clickers on the inside turn and as soon as it, he sets it, the the locking mechanism clicks in. It's just really well done. Yes, there's all these really cool shots going into the safe. There's the action is really cool as well. Just like the there's a there's a getaway driver who's a really good driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get to see him do his thing, which is awesome. He's a fun character too. I thought he looked a lot like uh, Nick Frost. Oh yes, but but he's not Nick Frost, yeah. uh, which is kind of a shame. I love Nick Frost, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, everyone in this heist crew is really likable, even when they're double-crossing each other over yeah. and over. They're still Which is fun inevitable characters. from the genre. Yes. Uh, but like Rolf is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, this dude, Brad Cage, his whole thing is he got beat up <laughs> as a kid, so he got inspired by uh, yeah. Nick Cage and... Uh, Brad Pitt. Nick Cage, Brad Pitt. Um, yeah. What's that movie? Con Air. Yes. He even... Um, there's references to Con Air throughout this movie, which yes. is awesome. Uh, Dieter even dresses like Nick Cage from Con Air. It's so which funny. I didn't know. I had to find that out through uh, online articles. Uh, we should have paired this with Con Air. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah, I'm. It, it, this is kind of a like dumb fun movie. I yeah. really enjoyed it, but it's not like going to change your life or anything. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's very engaging. It's very stylistic. Yes, and. Typically, I don't care for a lot of comedy in my action movies, but this did the comedy really well because it's it's more of like character comedy more than a situational comedy. Yes, and uh, Natalie Emmanuel, who plays Gwendolyn, who is kind of Ludwig or kind of Dieter's uh, love interest, mm-hmm. they have a lot of chemistry, which I appreciate. Yes, and. Since this has come out, Zack Snyder has hinted that there's going to be a second Army of the Dead and that Dieter may have escaped the the lost Las Vegas intact, which is pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, I would like to see him do that instead yeah. of just like backstory. Yes. He's got to do show, don't tell. Yes. Uh, but as I've said a couple times off mic in some of our conversations, I don't much care for cinematic universes, but I am super excited about the army of the dead cinematic universe. Yeah. I don't like that. Every studio is trying their own. I think it should come naturally. 
Like, one of the biggest issues is everyone's trying to copy Marvel, and they took yes. the time to build theirs. They didn't truly yes. have the cinematic universe for about five or six years after Iron Man. But then they had, a couple of years ago, Universal tried to do, quote, the dark universe with the mummy, oh, and they God. wanted. Yeah. And they tried to, they had Russell Crowe play Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and they wanted Johnny Depp to come in there, and it just felt too forced. And yes. DC doesn't want to take the time to do it. And they're just doing, let's do Superman, Batman, Batman vs. Superman, Justice League. You yeah. need time in there. You can't just do that. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Uh, and I think that's the only real part of Army of the Dead that I didn't like was when they tried to force the connection. Yeah. Because they just used unused and uh, literally used from the first film takes of scenes with dave bautista mm-hmm. and it just it looks too different yeah like that they could have done something like the marvel movies like have the movie stand on its own and then tie it together with a post-credit scene yes. and that would have felt more organic instead of forcing dave bautista in there yes and i agree and the fact that they literally just used other scenes i mean i guess it might have been hard to get dave bautista he's a busy guy mm-hmm. which you know good for him i think of all of the wrestlers turn actors he's actually he's a really one. good actor i think his size kind of limits him in certain respects because the guy just you know looks like a truck yes in the best way possible the guy clearly takes care of himself i'll i'm at the point where i'll watch anything he's in yeah i mean even um 2049 or was it 2049 blade runner yes which i am famously infamously not a big fan of it's so good i i think he's one of the best parts of that movie he's only in maybe five minutes of it he had a prequel short film that he's great in that he's great in dune he's great in uh guardians of the galaxy yeah the guy is i think of all of the wrestlers turn actors he's mm-hmm. the one that you can actually call an actor as yes. opposed to a movie star he is limited in what he can do because of his size unfortunately and i don't yes. see him being like uh um chris hemsworth where he's willing to slim down for yeah. a part the way that hemsworth is but uh oh there's going to be a gardens of the galaxy holiday special <laughs> yes i saw that and he's also making universes most wanted okay uh, no information about that is available. There's a director attached, but not even his character is named. Sounds um, like it'll be um, a bounty hunter movie that takes place in space. Yeah, and I'm so, sorry. Uh, according to IMDb, set in a small town where residents find themselves under attack after a spaceship carrying the universe's most wanted and dangerous criminals crashes into the backyard. Okay. If that sounds uh, like dumb fun. It sounds like it could be a Netflix movie, and if it is, it's going to be <laughs> awful. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if he's going to be a good guy or a bad guy yet. That literally has not been announced. But the director, um, made. Let's see. Uh, oh, he's made a bunch of things. Oh, anything Nothing good? super great. Uh, a bunch of the rock movies okay <laughs> he did uh the second cats versus dogs movie um <laughs> that's promising yeah he actually he did um daybreak which is a series that i infamously quite like on okay. netflix i admit it's not very good but i yeah. like it it's how um, i feel with riverdale yeah uh daybreak is post-apocalyptic high school drama okay 
Um, it's not good, but I yeah. like it. <laughs> so, trash TV. Like sometimes you just gotta yeah. watch some trash. Yes. So this is probably what this movie is going to be like, but I'm definitely intrigued. Cool. Uh, anyway, uh, I do highly recommend Army of Thieves. I keep wanting to say Army of the Dead, but I recommend that as well. Although this has yes. a higher rating. Interesting. So make it out what you will. I definitely liked Army of the Dead a lot more, and Army of Thieves had the same issue to me that the score had, where the further it went on, the less I cared. I yes. think if they trimmed maybe twenty to thirty minutes off this movie, it would have been much better. Yes, but it could have been a lot tighter if yes. there was not the whole double cross nonsense. Yes, there's this whole thing with Interpol that really didn't need to be there. Yep, um, that's there mainly for the comedy. Yes. But it's so irrelevant to the story that we didn't even mention it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a whole thing. But yeah, cut out 20 to 30 minutes. This movie would flow much better. And I think it would be a much fun, more fun watch. I do like the cast. I think everyone's really great in their roles. It's very well made. And yeah. honestly, cut out the zombie stuff and mm. you got a great film. Yeah, cut out Interval, cut out the zombies, focus it. And it would be quite good. I think... Yes. Uh, Netflix does let you get some of their raw material. I think you have to be of a certain size to do it, like a certain really? YouTube channel size to do it. But you can, you know, probably make your own your own edit of it. That might be a little better, a little you tighter. Could, you could download it, cut it, yeah. and then put it out, and hope Netflix doesn't see. Yes, uh, there's you have to request it, in order, okay. and they'll give it to you. But it's, uh, I believe, it's only. It's not 1080p, it's like 720 720i, I think. So it's yeah. not amazing quality. But better than but you can But you can get it. So I might try to, as an experiment, I might try to do that. Do it. Um, if they oh, let me do it, I will. If they let me fun. legally do it, I will do it. Oh, put it on um, a, a Crossroads production. Yeah. <laughs> a, crossroads, uh, a Crossroads joint. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, anyway. That's um, really all I have to say. Yeah. So continuing our new genre discussion we might uh because nothing is coming out next week yeah it's, next week's kind of a dry spell yeah so there's a netflix movie that's actually quite good uh that's called the harder they fall which spoiler alert i have already seen and i have not really seen it liked yet. and uh i'm not super familiar with westerns so we're not sure what we're going to pair it with yet uh, yeah i also not very familiar with westerns i've seen the key western films but i'm willing to give this a shot um i want to pair it with logan because i need an excuse to rewatch it <laughs> yeah, but that, i'm not gonna could, force it yeah that could work we'll see how that plays out uh once you watch that which i think you'll really like yeah i'm gonna try and get to it sooner yeah. than later yeah i watched it this past weekend and i really dug it so the score the the, move, the music is also really good okay i like uh, idris turns, elba so. yeah and turns out the director is seal's younger brother which is kind of cool cool uh, anyway that's all i got to say yep. yeah so thank you for joining us at the crossroads and join us next week for some westerns
Crossroads Podcast is recorded and produced by Rob Kolb and Ryan Hall. The Crossroads theme was written and recorded by Caleb Dorr. Featured music this episode is Been Caught Stealing by Jane's Addiction. <laughs>